Hey friends, welcome to the Living Hope College Ministry Podcast. My name is Hunter Sewell, and I am the college minister here at Living Hope, and I am super excited that you joined me for a few minutes. Today is Monday, January 28th, and this is the very first college ministry podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to kind of reinforce what we've been talking about on Wednesday nights and to try to give you a preview of what's to come the next Wednesday so you can begin to read and study the text before the service starts. I'm a big sports fan, so if you're familiar with Sports Center, you can kind of imagine this as being the highlight reel of the previous Wednesday and a preview for the upcoming games this upcoming week. So I plan on it being about 15 minutes, and I'm going to try to publish it every Monday. My hope and my prayer is that it would serve you well and that ultimately God would be glorified. So over the past semester, we've been going verse by verse through the Gospel of John, and I've really, really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to get back to it next week. But this past Wednesday, we did something that was a little bit different. At the beginning of every semester, I have the opportunity to share with you guys some things in regards to the mission and vision of the college ministry. And I wanted to set a direction for us as a ministry and to kind of challenge you individually as we enter this new semester. So in short, the Living Hope College Ministry's desire is that we're a community of college students who are committed to the local church, who are growing in Christ-likeness, and who are actively making disciples. And all of this comes out of an understanding of Scripture and a desire to see people who are lost coming to Christ. God has been shaping my heart over the past few months, and He's been streamlining the things that I care deeply about. And as a result, it's begun to shape the way that I shape our ministry. So I wanted to share with you some of these thoughts and offer you a few challenges along the way. So first, I'm serious about the holiness of God. People all across the world, and I'm including a lot of Christians here too, is that we just don't take God seriously. We just simply don't believe that God is who He says He is, and we live our lives accordingly. We don't take God seriously. We don't take His Word seriously. We don't take sin seriously, and we definitely don't take our responsibility to Him seriously. So what do I mean by this? Well, I think many of us probably have a misunderstanding of who God is. We've defined God on our own terms, such as love or acceptance or justice, rather than on who Scripture says He is. So how does Scripture portray God? Well, as holy. Leviticus 20.26 20, says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. At the very core of God's being, He is holy. And holiness has two meanings. In one sense, it's transcendent majesty, so that God is high above, that he's set apart, that he's distinct. And for majesty, you can think in terms of a king, power, authority, and might. And in the other sense, holiness is moral purity, so completely perfect, without blemish in all ways, in thoughts, in actions, or intentions. God's very nature is that of holiness. He is set apart. He's without blemish or error. He's perfect in all of his ways, and he's distinct from creation. God is utterly different and infinitely greater than us. And every action he takes, every word he speaks, every judgment that he pronounces comes from his holiness. Listen to the song that the angels around the throne of God sing day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's out of Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Repetition is a literary device that people use in order to draw emphasis to something. And if you look through the Gospels, you can see Jesus doing this often when he's teaching in parables. He'll say, truly, truly, I say to you. But listen again to how the angels address God. Holy, holy, holy. Not only do they cry out holy as the attribute by which they describe God, but they repeat it three times. And R.C. Sproul observes this. Only once is a characteristic of God mentioned three times in succession. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. Not that he is merely holy or even holy, holy, but that he is holy, holy, holy. So we should be very, very careful of thinking of God on our own terms and defining Him based on our own definitions because the result is that we don't take Him seriously. And when we don't take God seriously, we don't take our sin or our responsibility to Him seriously, which is where the big challenge comes in. So first, I want to challenge you to think about God in the way that Scripture presents Him, which is holy. 
And secondly, I want to challenge you to think about what this means for the way that you live. Think again to the verse in Leviticus. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. God is holy, and he says that he has separated us that we should be his. So how do we show that we're his? How do we show that we are part of God's people? By being like him in holiness. And we can never achieve this on our own, so praise God that through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we've been made positionally holy before God. However, we have a responsibility to practice holiness, to pursue holiness in our actions, in our thoughts, in our words. And we're enabled by the Holy Spirit to do this, and we model our lives after Christ, who is himself holy. Secondly, I'm passionate about discipleship, and this is a direct consequence of me being a Christian. If you are a Christian, then you are passionate about discipleship. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't care about discipleship, because this is our primary task. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Salvation and discipleship go hand in hand. You cannot have the former and ignore the latter. Think about the disciples who were in the boat when Jesus called to them. Jesus comes and he says, Follow me. And why? So that he can turn them from fishermen into fishers of men. They couldn't just follow Jesus. The call to follow Jesus was the same as the call to become fishers of men. And likewise, the call to trust Jesus for salvation entails a call to make disciples. So that's what we're going to be about. My big challenge for everyone this semester is to make two. Make two disciples. And you may be asking, what even is a disciple? A disciple is someone who has trusted Christ for salvation, who has been baptized, and who is following and obeying Christ. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Apart from His work in our lives, we can do nothing. He alone is the only one who can bring a spiritually dead heart back to life, and He alone can enable somebody to live for Christ. But we've been commanded by Christ to partner with the Holy Spirit in this work, in our own lives and in the lives of others. He doesn't need our tricks, our methods, or our tips. He just asks for our obedience. And in terms of activity, I think it's helpful to think about discipleship in two kind of events. So the first event being evangelism, the second one being the maturation of faith. So evangelism is sharing Jesus with people who have never heard and never believed in Him. And the maturation part is teaching people to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And I want you to realize that discipleship is not just something that happens in one semester. Being a disciple of Christ is a lifelong journey. So the challenge is less about completion and more about you understanding this responsibility to be making disciples all throughout the rest of your life. So I want to challenge you to begin thinking about the people that you know who are far from Christ and begin to pray for them. And ask God to do a miracle in their hearts and then begin to pursue them. Ask them to go to lunch. Ask them to read scripture with you. Invite them to come to church with you. and Be intentional to talk to them about their relationship with Christ. This is not a responsibility that we can shirk off. These are people that we love and there's an eternity at stake. So let's be very passionate about making disciples. And third, I want us to be engaged in local missions. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is talking with some of the Stoics and philosophers in Athens. And he's talking about how God has determined the time period and the dwelling place in which every person in the world lives so that they might seek him and find him. And what's really cool about God is that he's going to go to great lengths to draw people to himself. And if you look throughout history, God's been doing this. He's been orchestrating the mass migration of people and shifting the boundaries of countries so that people might encounter him and find him. And right now, God is doing that very same thing. He's bringing thousands and thousands of people out of the darkest parts of the world, religiously dark parts of the world, and he's bringing them into places where the gospel has a foothold, where there is gospel light. 
And we have hundreds of students on campus at WKU who are from places that have very little to no access to the gospel. And it's by no coincidence that this is happening. God is sovereignly orchestrating the movement of people so that they might seek him and find him. And so we've got to stop looking through that lens of nationalism and begin to look through the lens of God's eternal purpose, which is to save sinners. He's brought the nations to us, so let's not miss out on the blessing of joining God at work. I want to challenge you this semester to get involved with international student ministry. Both CREW and BCM have great international student ministries, and I'm sure there's others on campus. There are places to get involved, so my encouragement and my challenge to you is to get involved and be a part of what God is doing. Our text for this upcoming week is John chapter 7, verse 53 through John 8, 12. We're going to be talking about how Jesus dealt with the woman who was caught in adultery and what that means for us. Talking about sexual morality isn't something that people like hearing about and really don't like teaching about for that matter, but it's something that's desperately needed. And we're going to get to see how Jesus responds to sin and how liberating that is. And I'm excited to teach on this, and I'm hopeful that God's going to do a work in our hearts. So I want to encourage you over the next few days to read the text and be in prayer about it and to bring somebody with you. Thank you all for listening today. I'm really excited about this podcast idea, and I hope that it serves you well. Please don't hesitate to give me any sort of feedback or things that you'd like to hear or like to learn or ways that I can make this better. But let's be a people who are serious about God's holiness and our personal holiness. Let's be passionate about discipleship, and let's be engaged in local missions, all for God's glory. See you all soon.